I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I've come in this morning to work on a podcast about cynicism. I want to do a two-part series on cynicism and mysticism, but I've actually had a real, I don't know what the right word is for this, maybe a burden this morning on my heart and this last week, and I'm going to kind of go off on a limb and be risky and just kind of share what I feel on my heart this morning and hope that it might connect with some of you out there and where you are in your life space and share a little bit about what I feel God's been saying to me this year. But I have a sense that there are people listening to this podcast today who are feeling very deflated and discouraged. I think the last couple of weeks have been tough on you. Things in your life are really starting to stir and in a good way and a bad way. And it's a, a time of major disorientation And last year I started to feel that in these first months of 2018, and I've said this on this podcast before, that many people are going to start experiencing an an entire sense of newness in their life. And the way that I would put it is that we imagine sometimes when God speaks to us that we're going along this one pathway and we do like a right angle turn. Well, this and kind of what I'm seeing in the kingdom at this stage is is God actually plucking people off that road entirely and placing them on a completely different road. And in that process, all of this stuff is stirring up in our lives and uh, people are speaking against us or relationships are breaking down, work stuff's breaking down. Maybe mental health has, has taken a dive temporarily, yet at the same time you might be feeling a really strong stirring around something that God is saying to in your life. There's a positivity that's lurking too, but it's coming simultaneously with a really hard season. And a a number of podcasts ago, we looked at Isaiah 55, which is this beautiful scripture about God saying, as the rain comes down from the sky and the snow and it waters the ground and it produces seed for the sower and bread for the baker and then returns to the sky, so my word won't return to me void but will achieve everything which I send it to do. And we looked a little bit at that process and how uh, there's two things involved in there. There's God's word coming down into our life. And there are many people at the moment, and actually I'm seeing people who have had words spoken to them maybe 10, 15 years ago, and it feels like those seeds have died. That, that crop maybe started to grow for a little while. And then just as, uh, you know, sometimes they burn the crops so that all of the ash and the nutrients will kind of raise up in the soil, new things will be raised. And I, I'm just seeing that there are people and you feel that crop has been burnt down completely. And it, it seems pretty desolate. And I want to encourage you that right now the nutrients in the soil are starting to produce good seed. And it may not look like it or feel it to you, but I really believe that for some of you listening today, God is about to pluck you up off your road. It's not even a right turn, and he's going to place you in a, in a in a situation in your life that you had suspected for a long time was going to happen, but it just hasn't happened yet. And in that process, there's some discomfort. And if you remember in this uh, podcast episode, it's called New, if you want to go back and listen to it. I talked about the different processes in ancient Near Eastern agriculture. And one of those process is, processes is threshing. And I mentioned that I feel like many of us are going through 
coming out of a season of threshing. And in threshing, what you do is you throw the wheat into the air and you beat it with kind of like a netted rod. And what it does is it separates the head of the wheat from the stalk. Because obviously you can't eat or bake the stalk of the wheat. You need the head and then you can make flour out of it. And I think some of us have been going through that beating phase. And it's felt to us like God is judging us, like everything's falling apart, like death to the things that we we really wanted life in. But actually God has been faithfully removing the junk from the goodness of who you are and where you're going. But that has felt very, very painful. It's felt at times like your life is going to end. It's felt at times like there is absolutely no hope for your future. It's felt like relationships falling apart, finances running out. It's felt like physical health breaking down into desolation, weeks and months in bed. It's felt like nights and mornings lying on your bed crying out to God and saying, Where are you? Where is what you've told me? But immediately after the threshing phase comes the giving away, the baking. Guys, what I am feeling this morning is that I need to encourage you. This is a unique season for you. Don't give up. It is time to give away. If you've started to feel in these last couple of weeks that things have gotten harder again, or even that God started to speak new words to you, or you've been having dreams, or old passions and desires have come up, I want to affirm to you this is God speaking to you. Don't be afraid. And I I think many of us don't know what that looks like. You may not have any idea whatsoever what it means, but that's okay. Just take another step and another step and another step. God is lifting us up. He's lifting us up. And, you know, the Beatitudes talk about, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom. And the whole way through last week, I just this thing kept speaking to me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I was thinking about this and how countercultural it is. What is that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. I don't think that we live that out in the West. I don't think our Western culture blesses the poor in spirit at all. In fact, most of the time, we celebrate the arrogant. We celebrate the self-made successes. We celebrate the rich. And so I've been thinking, what does it mean, blessed are the poor in spirit? And then thinking, whatever is true in those Beatitudes must be true of Jesus. It must be true of God because he's saying, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I know that what he is saying is that blessed are these people because they are like God. And I was thinking, how, Jesus, are you? How are you poor in spirit? That makes no sense to me. And I, I felt him just saying back to me, Strawn, I, I was poor in spirit because I took myself out of eternity, out of the presence, this eternal presence of God, the word I incarnated into flesh. I became human and I dwelt among the poor in spirit. When Jesus was born, he could have sent angels to announce it in the city of Jerusalem. His angels could have come and announced it to the leaders, the secular leaders of his day, to Pontius Pilate who would later kill him or whatever. But he didn't. The angels came and announced it to some fringy peripheral shepherds. And then Jesus wasn't even born in a nice palace. And then he associated with the sick and the blind and the lowly 
the tax collectors, those who the society rejected. He wasn't poor in spirit necessarily because he was lowly in spirit, because he was connected to his father. He was poor in spirit because he could relate to us. Isaiah called him the man of sorrows. He related to the sick, the poor. He placed himself at the periphery of society. And maybe just what you've been going through in this season of your life, as old things have come to die, as you've given up hope on things that you were convinced God had on your horizon, relationships, jobs, financial situations, callings, I even feel like there are some people listening today and you felt called to go to a particular country for some reason. It's just been on your heart. And I want to say to you, God's restoring that to you in this season of your life right now. And what you've been going through has been forming you into the person that you need to become. It's been making you poor in spirit. And not poor in spirit in a way that you have no faith, but this season that you've been in is helping you to relate to others in a poor in spirit manner. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. If you're broken, if you feel like you can't get through your own mess to love another person, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. If you're desolate, if you feel rejected, if your church leadership has rejected you, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. If your family has rejected you, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. If you've struggled with depression and anxiety over these last years, months, and weeks, if people are accusing you, if your life is falling down around you, welcome to the kingdom of heaven. God is near. You are about to break through the front line of mess into the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ. This is faith. Jesus invites us into exile. He invites us into the cross. You know, I was praying about this a few weeks ago, and I had this vision of just how we actually ascend to the cross. I, I saw Jesus stand, uh, hanging on the cross and the, the two beside him. And I imagined walking up to that cross and climbing up the wood and even propping my feet up on the nails, piercing his feet. And in order to kiss the lips of Jesus, my face presses against his face and his thorns into my own mind. The thorns that pierce his own mind become my own thorns. The blood pouring out of his side covers my own clothes. The shame of all of those looking at him and watching on and mocking and hating him becomes my shame because there I am with my arms wrapped around him on the cross, holding him tight, saying, Jesus I love you. That ascension to the cross is an ascension to heaven, but it is a dissension from social comfort. At the same time as I lift myself up to Jesus, I descend in my social value. That is what taking up my cross is. As I ascend to Jesus, his pain becomes my pain. The grief of the world becomes my grief in a beautiful way. Then on the other side of the cross is the grave. And to find resurrection after that moment of ostracism, of poor mental health, of bankruptcy, of rejection, of isolation, of fear, we walk through these three days of knowing nothing. And in order to find him again, whether we find him on the other side of deconstruction, the other side of cynicism, the other side of brokenness and loss, we have to walk into the garden 
to where the tomb is, we see that stone rolled away. And we have to walk into that tomb. We have to face our fears, the darkness, the stench. We have to face the fact that maybe after all of this, after all of these years of walking with Jesus, after all of these years of hoping and grieving and pushing through, after all of these years of threshing, what if Jesus is still in this tomb, dead, lying there in his grave clothes? We have to pick ourselves up. We have to walk into that tomb. And when we do, it is facing ourselves. We have to face our hurt. We have to face the things that have made us feel rejected. I've had to do that in this last year. Man, I've had to face myself in ways that I never imagined as I've lost my ability to sing and do things. I've had to reassess where I find my identity. I've had to reassess my trust in God. We walk into that tomb after experiencing, resurrect, uh, after experiencing crucifixion with Jesus. And we have to risk that maybe after all of this time we were wrong. But when we get to the end of that tomb, dark and low and musty and scary as it is, we will find an empty bed, an empty grave clothes, and realize that that death that was there for us on the cross relationships, finance, jobs, callings, mental health, physical health, that death, it's no longer there. And we have to turn around and walk out of the tomb. And this season for us, as a people, as the church, is realizing that we have culturally, socially, economically, politically, spiritually, in every way, we have been ascending to Jesus, and it has cost us dearly. And we've been walking through a time of deconstruction and emptiness and brokenness. We've been undone. We've been ostracized. We've suddenly felt so far out with, that we can't relate to our own tradition anymore. But guys, I want to encourage you this morning. Turn around and walk out the tomb because Jesus is standing in a garden waiting for you. And what's amazing, you know, when Mary walks out of the tomb, she doesn't recognize Jesus. And when we walk out of this tomb, Jesus could come to us in any way. He could be sitting there with a crown. He could be standing there with a judgment stick. He could be doing anything, but he's not. He's standing outside his own tomb as a gardener in the garden, the same place with millennia prior. We mucked up. We left the garden. And on the other side of this transition of this resurrection and crucifixion here Jesus is is in a garden as if to say remember that time we walked face to face in the garden in the cool of the day well I'm bringing you back there and the Jesus that we encounter there isn't the same Jesus we encountered on the cross he's almost unrecognizable he's our friend and he's come to garden not just the world around us but our hearts and right now you may feel like you've been pruned back you may feel like you've been stripped of all good things that you are struggling to hope. Maybe this week it's been much worse. Maybe this last couple of weeks it's been much worse. Maybe this last few years it's felt untenable. Things are going to change. Jesus is coming to you as the gardener, softly, gently, and he is inviting you back. But here's the key. Don't go back to the same Jesus as before the crucifixion. Because you've learned something now about death, about shame, about, about the cross, about ascending to heaven and descending from your own life. You've faced yourself in the tomb 
You've dealt with your fears and insecurities, the sickness of your own mind and heart. You've been brave enough to turn around. And when you get out, don't go back to the old Jesus. Allow yourself to be found in the new Jesus. And here's the thing. I also believe God is starting to bring people from the periphery of our communities to us. And if you've been experiencing this, keep an eye out because I think in the coming months, weeks, days, you're going to start seeing conversations open up with people that you never dreamed about before. They're going to start asking you questions about love and wholeness. And God is going to give you the opportunity out of your poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Out of your threshing time where the wheat and the stalk have now been separated so you can finally sit across the table from somebody who has a different spirituality, who's maybe a secularist or a Buddhist or a a Muslim, I don't know, and have a genuinely loving, caring, open conversation because you can relate to them because you're poor in spirit. Maybe they're an addict. Maybe they're a, a, a worker from the sex industry. Maybe they are from the LBGTQIA community. LBGTQIA community, excuse me for, for that one. Maybe they're from a background that you just can't imagine. Your poor poverty of spirit is going to bring a humility to the table that's going to start changing things. And I think we're going to start seeing these conversations happening all over the place in this coming year. And I believe it's going to start outside the church. I think it's going to start in our workplaces, in the peripheral places. So, hold fast. The season is changing. God is bringing you gifts. And when I say gifts, I don't mean this is all about prosperity. I mean... He is about to pluck you up from pluck you up from one road and place you in another, and you're going to start seeing a, a freedom and a grace. It's a season of perfect grace right now. Isaiah 55, 5 means grace. And there were five stages in Isaiah 55 that I, I kind of spoke about in my episode new. And in the in the I'm going to release a podcast soon like a liturgy series based on Isaiah 55 to help you walk through these things. We did it in a prayer week for my community at Community Hall in Auckland, and I wanted to record them as a podcast and share them with you to help you transition through that too. So Father, I pray for everyone listening today who happened upon this podcast discouraged or feeling overwhelmed and disorientated, experiencing both your gift and your blessing speaking into their life, but also massive friction and difficulty going on and they're disorientated. God, would you bless them now with your presence, that they would feel you, that they would see you and experience you. Wherever they are listening right now, lift up their heart. If this word is for them, if what I'm saying is applicable to them, may it start to sit with them right now in absolute peace and solidity. I pray that in their lives, conversations would open where they can humbly accept their poverty of spirit, of mind, of body, of situation, in such a way that they can share it with those at the periphery of social, political, economic, spiritual situations. Help them to see, God, that things are changing, that this is a different season. Help 
them to know that you love them. God, all of us listening to this right now are your children and you prayed, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Make us one, Father, as we are one. I pray that they would be one. We love you. Thank you so much for your presence in our life. Thank you that 2018 is going to be the year we see a change in our community. Be blessed, God. All your beauty, your mystery, and your wonder. In Jesus' name.